0: to the king, baby. Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. I'm Katie Jansen. And today we are talking about Duke Nukem Forever, which was a video game that was in development for 14 years. Not that long. I guess I'll start by saying um this episode will have more adult language than usual because it's it's kind of hard to talk about Duke Nukem without that.
1: Does this mean I can swear, Corbin? Probably. Because Ooh. some of the, some
0: of the quotes I have are is swearing, so I think that that's probably fine.
1: This episode is rated E, but not for everyone, for explicit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So before I talk about Duke Nukem Forever, I need to rewind a little bit and talk about the game studio that made it and some of the games that came before it. So we'll start at the founding of Apogee Software, which uh, later became known as 3D Realms. It was a game studio founded by Scott Miller in 1987 because he wanted to publish the video games he was working on. George Broussard, a student at the same high school as Scott, later joined and is credited as co-founder. So these are the two like important people that we have to remember, is George Broussard and Scott Miller. The first Duke Nukem game was released in 1991 as a 2D side-scrolling shooter, where you kill enemies and destroy obstacles on your way to defeat the evil Dr. Proton and his army of tech bots. It was uh, developed and published by Apogee Software and released for MS-DOS PCs. And you play as Duke Nukem, who the manual describes as, quote, a humble sort of guy and would much prefer to stay in his cool Los Angeles apartment and watch his soaps. But when the going gets tough, so does Duke.
1: I love that Duke Nukem watches soaps.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Great start. Already great character. And the original game received pretty favorable reviews. Duke Nukem 2 was released just two years later and was also developed and published by Apogee. The game's plot started with Duke Nukem being kidnapped by aliens while he was being interviewed on the Oprah Winfrey show about his new book, which was titled Why I'm So Great. That's the (laughs) actual plot. (laughs) The
1: the world needs to know why. (laughs)
0: The aliens aim to use Duke's brain to plan out an attack on Earth, but Duke escapes and then has to fight his way off the alien planet. Duke Nukem 2 was also a side-scrolling adventure game and and also received pretty good reviews. Now, what really made Duke Nukem a big series was Duke Nukem 3D, and this was released in 1996 um, under the 3D Realms name. This was uh, like the new name for Apogee Software. Okay. Okay. It was it was huge. Like, this was a very, very popular game, very impressive game for the time. This one was a first-person shooter, and unlike most other early first-person games, many objects in the environment were either interactive or could be destroyed.
1: Oh, that is cool. Yeah,
0: so, like, if you think back to, like, Doom, there's not a whole lot of, like, interactivity you have besides, like, you're pressing buttons and sometimes, like, platforms move up and down, but... Mm-hmm. In this game, you have, like, you know, if you shoot glass, like, it shatters, and then there's rooms that open and close, and there's, like, little machines in the world that that change when you interact with them, uh, which was really cool for 1996.
1: That does- that sounds really cool.
0: Duke was once again tasked with killing aliens. This time, the aliens were abducting women from Earth, which later turns out to be a distraction to keep Duke occupied before a full invasion begins.
1: They took Know Thy Enemy seriously.
0: (laughs) Duke Nukem 3D helped establish the first-person shooter genre alongside games like Wolfenstein 3D, which came out four years earlier, and Doom, which came out three years earlier. So I've actually got some gameplay of Duke Nukem 3D we can watch to get a little bit of a feel for this.
1: Now, maybe I'm about to find this out, but... Uh, At Duke Nukem, at the point we're at with Duke Nukem 3D, do we have the voice of Duke yet?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do. Amazing. Duke's tough guy voice by John St. John, cheesy one-liners, and adult theme uh, gave it a pretty strong personality. And both the dialogue and in-game world were sort of filled with jokes about other games and and movies and TV shows. So yeah, just like combination of all of this and, and, uh, John St. John was a perfect voice actor for this. There's, there's a lot of references, which can get kind of like, it, it fits the silly nature of the game pretty well, but I'll read, I'll read some of, some of the lines here from the game that Duke says. Uh, he says, mess with the best. You'll die like the rest, which is a quote from the movie Hackers. I ain't afraid of no quake. Which is referencing both <laughs> Ghostbusters and the game Quake. At one point, uh, he calls someone, "You're an inspiration for birth control." <laughs> and my favorite line of the game, where Duke says, "Oh, your ass is grass, and I've got the weed whacker."
1: <laughs> okay, that one's pretty good. That
0: one's pretty good. Yeah. All right, so we've got we've got some gameplay of Duke Nukem 3D right here. You ready to hit play? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hit play on three, two, one, go.
1: Oh, the security camera is cool. Yeah. That went by a little fast. Did did he just pick up the world's hugest bottle of pills?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll link the clip uh, we just watched in the show notes and and everything else we watch is down there too, and all the sources. Um, but yeah, like Duke Nukem three D is like very impressive for the time. Like it, it looks cool. Duke's going into rooms and like flipping the light switches on and off, and he's shooting a hole in a, a projector screen to go behind. Oh, it. Oh,
1: I didn't even think about the light switches. But that that is that's really cool. Yeah, this this would have blown my mind. Uh I I didn't ever play uh this kind of game around this time, but but this this is really neat for the era that that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and and this game received like very high acclaim from from everyone. And in April 1997, 3D Realms announced a sequel called Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, there was no formal release date yet, but the studio predicted it would be complete within a year and, quote, well before, quote, Christmas 1998. That does not turn so, out to be true. So
1: Christmas 1998, this is the original promised date.
0: Yeah, sort of, yeah. It's it's still like an estimate, but yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> this is very off. <laughs> it doesn't, does not end up happening.
1: You don't say
0: yeah duke nukem 3d was it was a big step forward in terms of technology and and how you played the game and 3d realms Mm -hmm. wanted to keep that going they didn't want to just make another duke nukem 3d they wanted it to be a, a another huge technologic bump
1: they wanted to raise the bar
0: yeah so early on 3d realms decided to license the engine from Quake 2 from id Software, which was like one of its big competitors in this space. The engine used in Duke Nukem 3D, which was called the Build Engine, was incredibly impressive for the time, but 3D engine development was moving very rapidly, and 3D Realms didn't want to waste time building something that could top Duke Nukem 3D. So that's why they they go and license the Quake 2 engine. And three D Rooms never confirmed how much it paid to license the engine, but co-founder Scott Miller called it a truckload of money, <laughs> and some estimates say as high as five hundred thousand dollars, which adjusted for inflation in twenty twenty three is nine hundred and forty five million.
1: And this is still a studio of like a single digit number of people at this time. I don't correct? think
0: it's I don't think it's single digit, but it's it is still very small. Like definitely not okay. more than. I don't think it was more than fifty people.
1: That's that's a lot of money for for not a lot of people, and even like 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 adjusting for inflation, sure, but like that's 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 real numbers.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of money. In May of 1998, an extended trailer for Duke Nukem Forever was revealed at E3 that year. So this is kind of the world's first look at Duke Nukem Forever. Is in May of 1998, and again the original like. Hopeful ship date was in Christmas of 1998, so kind of bumping up against that. We'll watch the trailer for that now. Ready. All right, go on three, two, one, go. I was. This is definitely a lot closer to, like, original Half-Life.
1: Yeah, the, like, concrete pipes rolling down that hill or the little shack falling down is really impressive. Yeah. Damn, I make this look good.
0: We've got the rolling ball from Indiana Jones keeping up the, the references.
1: This is not a bad trailer. Like this, this game looks looks worth playing. It looks yeah. fun. It looks exciting. Like this is a good trailer as, as far as these things go.
0: Looks pretty pretty cool.
1: That looks pretty cool. Uh I enjoyed the lens flares.
0: <laughs> 3D Realms also confirmed that uh, Duke Nukem Forever was set in Las Vegas this time with Duke running a strip club uh and then aliens invade yet again.
1: He was running the strip club? Is that what she said?
0: Yeah, yeah, he owned a strip club. <laughs>
1: <laughs> His book must have sold pretty well.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A man of many talents.
1: Um, Multifaceted. Yeah. Duke Nukem.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, you you shouldn't put all your investments in one place. Um, So smart businessman, Duke Nukem.
1: He has a diverse portfolio of assets.
0: (laughs) So even though that trailer was pretty good and and people were pretty hyped up for it at the time, 3D Realms co-founder... George Broussard was reportedly unhappy with the results from the Quake 2 engine, especially because it struggled with larger open environments. So, like, a, a big part of this game was that you were around the area of Las Vegas and it really struggled with rendering, like, a lot of desert out in the distance and, and just, like, sort of these larger open world environments as a whole. Because, like, also when you look at Quake 1 and Quake 2, where this engine came from, like, they're not really doing a lot of Huge open environments. They're they're sort of in these like you know indoor Tight room areas and
1: yeah. and corridors and like there was that staircase, but it's all confined and contained.
0: Yeah, like it it just it wasn't really built for that. And broussard was impressed with the Unreal Engine, which was released by Epic Mega Games only a few months after the Quake Two engine, which is the the company that uh, we now know is just Epic Games.
1: Their games have ceased to be mega.
0: Yeah, just, just epic. Even though it would require starting almost from scratch, Broussard and the development team decided to switch to Unreal Engine. So uh <laughs> pretty it's it's pretty unusual for a game to show off a pretty big trailer and then switch engines. That doesn't happen a lot.
1: That is a bold, bold choice.
0: Yeah. I'm going to read a section from a Wired article from December 2009 by Clive Thompson. This is a really great article. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, It goes over a lot of like why this game uh, did not go well. The article said, quote, Broussard simply couldn't tolerate the idea of Duke Nukem Forever coming out with anything other than the latest and greatest technology and awe-inspiring gameplay. He didn't just want it to be good, it had to surpass every other game that had ever existed, the same way the original Duke Nukem 3D had. But because the technology kept getting better, Broussard was on a treadmill, he'd see a new game with flashy graphics technique and demand the effect be incorporated into Duke Nukem Forever. One day George started pushing for snow levels, recalls a developer who worked on Duke Nukem Forever for several years, starting in 2000. Why? He had seen The Thing, a new game based on the horror movie of the same name, set in the snowbound Antarctic, and he wanted
1: it. If this doesn't sound like a recipe for success, I I don't (laughs) know what does.
0: (laughs) Uh, Article continues, the staff developed a running joke. If a new title comes out, don't let George see it. When the influential shoot 'em up Half-Life debuted in 1998, it opened with a famously interactive narrative sequence in which the player begins his workday in a laboratory, overhearing a co-worker's conversation that slowly sets a mood of dread. The day after Broussard played it, an employee told me, the co-founder walked into the office saying, oh my god, we have to have that in Duke Nukem forever. Quote. So definitely a, a pattern emerging of there's a cool new thing it has to be in this game. (laughs) <laughs> to the point where the the people working on it are concerned.
1: <laughs> it sounds concerning.
0: Yeah. By the end of 1999, Duke Nukem Forever was still nowhere near complete. Um but 3D Realms did show off another trailer at E3 2001, which we will now watch. We got trailer number 2.
1: Trailer number 2, engine number 2. Em-
0: engine number 2, yes. Okay, ready. All right, go on. Three, two, one, go.
1: I have to say, I'm a lot more impressed than I like could have expected about the like facial models on those people. Now it's a trailer, so like you know, wait until it's in the game, but that that looks pretty decent i would say um and i and i'm looking at it like right like in the context of today so like back then that that's pretty good looking i think
0: yeah there's a lot of uh, open areas around las vegas like there's a big panning shot where you're looking around the like las vegas strip there's like a part where it's like a car chase scene and then there's other parts where you're on again like moving areas are still kind of a big highlight here you see a couple shots of Duke like using like, vending machines and stuff in the in the style of, of Duke Nukem 3D yeah there's there's a few parts in this that do look a lot like the original Half-Life uh, very Black Mesa facility at the end it it does say when it's done is the release date <laughs>
1: When it's done, when it's done in in the trailer,
0: and that had become a a common line at 3D realms whenever someone asked when the game would come out. Which is a a good response for like an open source software project or a side hobby or something. Not that good for a a a game that's already several years behind (laughs) its original release schedule.
1: Yeah, like if you like start from there, like it's coming when it's done. And then you put a date after that point, and then, like, you meet that date, or or maybe delay one or two more times after that a short amount. But, like, having a date, uh and then blowing past it, and then switching to when it's done is, uh... It's not a great look. <laughs>
0: not great, no. And what's funny is, an unfinished build of the game from around this time later leaks online in May of 2022... Which i think i remember hearing about this yeah yeah that that included a bunch of unfinished levels and the source code and the level editor and so like you can find gameplay of people playing this I, i watched a little bit of it it's it's pretty interesting but it's very not finished like there's only a couple areas you can really go through
1: i really love that we we have this as like a piece of history though
0: yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting insight into game development at this time. So that trailer was at E3 2001. By 2003, there were still only about 18 people working on Duke Nukem Forever full-time. That's not an unusual amount for game development in the mid-90s, but most major games at this point had teams of 50 people or more working on them. And of course, now that number is much larger, like when a, a big game comes out from a big studio, that's like thousands of people working on it in some capacity. And that was kind of another sign that the 3D Realms co-founders were were still very much operating as a 90s game company. One of the co-founders, Scott Miller, said later that he realized Duke Nukem Forever was in deep trouble around 2004. According to a blog post he wrote much later, he approached Digital Extremes to take over development in 2004, which was the studio that co-created the Unreal series of games and uh, is now best known for the online game Warframe. So uh, Mm. pretty, pretty talented people over there. And Digital Extremes was reportedly excited to take over the project. And the transition even had approval from 3D Realms publisher, which was take two interactive, but the deal was quote shot down internally quote, which Miller later said was a fatal suicide shot, according to him.
1: And and this is two thousand four now. To yes. be clear. Yeah. So so we started in in what was it, it early nineteen ninety eight. The game they was were an- saying in- the
0: game was announced in ninety seven supposed to come okay. out probably end of ninety eight
1: and then. We had we had 98, and then when it's done, and now it's 2004. <laughs> In Big Trouble is uh, is right. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. In 2004, Take-Two CEO Rich Rodell was asked on an earnings call about a release date for Duke Nukem 3D. He said there was no confirmed timeline from 3D Realms. He also said on the call that the game was now using the engine from Doom 3, which would have been the the, the third engine this game was supposed to be using. But George Broussard later said that wasn't true, but he didn't clarify where the CEO might have got the information from. So that's still kind of an open question of like, that doesn't seem like something you just accidentally say. Like, cause that's, that's a very specific detail that he said on that earnings call. So I don't know if like someone communicated to him wrong or, maybe at 1.3D Realms was testing a version of this with the Doom 3 engine. I don't think anything like that ever leaked, so we don't really know, but it's kind of interesting.
1: Cuz I don't I don't know what everyone's familiarity with with game development is, but like game engines aren't things that you can just swap around. Like you can't just, oh, we took out this engine and put this other one in. You basically have to restart the whole game from scratch. And like maybe you can port some of your models and and texture assets and that kind of thing, but like any kind of like prescribed sequences or levels, I would think would have there you'd have to be do tons of rework to to port to a new engine.
0: Yeah, like ideally you'd never want to switch engines in development because it is like you're you're starting from scratch.
1: Never mind, two times so far.
0: So that was in 2004. In 2006, a journalist was given a preview of Duke Nukem Forever where Broussard confirms the 3D realms, quote, fucked up, quote. <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> they restarted development again, apparently, <laughs> in 2006.
1: Uh, 2006. He,
0: he was talking about this as in, like, part of an interview, so it's not clear exactly when that happened, but it was like sometime around. Uh, That that preview was given, so not great. That was sort of the final straw for a lot of people working on this. Uh, That same year was basically when 3D Realms imploded. At least seven people working on the game had left by August, which was nearly half the team. Again, because there's so few people working on this that seven people leaving is a huge disruption. Oh my god. Scott Alden, a developer for Duke Nukem Forever, said, quote, I left because I was burned out after working on the same project for five years without any end in sight, quote.
1: Yeah, hopefully, even if you're not making a release date public, internally, hopefully you have, like, some more vague timeline that at least, like, okay, we have to do this and this and this to get done. But it sounds like just, like, uh, when it's done is when it's done, and no one knows when that will be at all. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was no timeline at all here. I want to read another section from that Wired article. Uh, it said, quote, For longtime employees, the incessant delays posed two big problems. One was professional cred. Duke Nukem Forever was the only modern 3D game some of them had worked on. If it didn't ship soon, they'd have spent nearly a decade with nothing to show for it. The other was money. 3D Realms paid its designers less than many competitors, most notably id Software down the road. Broussard motivated them by offering profit sharing. Their business model was to pay the developers very low, but with a potential payday at the end that was pretty substantial, says a former employee. As Duke Nukem Forever failed to arrive, so did that big payday. Not good. Not good.
1: The promise of uh, profit sharing is... uh, (laughs) (laughs) classic scam at this point
0: (laughs) by 2007 duke nukem forever had at least five hours of content in the playable state um the project's new creative director rafael van liroop probably not pronouncing that right thought the finished work was great and the game could be released within a year if the staff was scaled up this is when 3D Realms went on a hiring spree, more than doubling the size of the team from eighteen to thirty-five people. The new staff included Brian Hook, who took on the role as project lead, and uh he frequently blocked Brossard's requests for changes to the game so it could actually ship on time. So finally there was someone at 3D Realms that was like, no dude, we're done. <laughs> you can't add anymore. We gotta get this out.
1: That sounds like a that sounds like an unenviable position to be in
0: yeah yeah we effectively telling your boss repeatedly like no
1: but good on him for for standing up to him like that
0: (laughs) yeah and in early 2009 3d realms requested six million dollars from its publisher take two interactive to finish duke nukem forever by this point the co-founders broussard and miller had spent around 20 million of their own money on development for the game and the current team was expected to cost a few million more per year until they could get it out the door. So one of the interesting things here is Duke Nukem 3D made a lot of money. It made a lot, a lot of money, and they made expansions for it that made money. Um, they like were contracting other studios to to create a lot of those expansions. So this whole time, they were just burning through profits from that, and it wasn't a big deal. but again this is now 2009 and uh it's they're they're basically out of money so this is really the first time they go to their publisher and actually
1: so so 2009 we're 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 almost we're over 10 years on at this point that it should have been out supposedly yeah Yeah. uh the gaming landscape is totally different now uh You've, you've got call of duty and i don't know metroid prime and so many more first person games now than than even there were back then
0: yeah like um i think probably my my favorite game from around this period is like the original bioshock in 2007 so this was two years oh, after i didn't even BioShock. think about
1: bioshock but yeah
0: yeah yeah so, and granted that's like immersive sim that's sort of a different category but it's it's in the same like general first-person game. and Take-Two and 3D Realms went back and forth about how much money would be provided, but 3D Realms ultimately rejected Take-Two's counteroffer, which reportedly was $2.5 million up front and another $2.5 million when the game was completed. That was reportedly what what Take-Two was willing to give them, and 3D Realms didn't take it. They were out of money and out of time so 3D Realms closed its development studio on May 6th of 2009. Oof. Yeah. That's not good.
1: I didn't I didn't know this part.
0: Take-Two claimed it owned the publishing rights to Duke Nukem Forever, which 3D Realms disputed, and the two companies went into a lengthy court battle over who who could basically finish the game sort of or at least own the rights to the series and this is when Gearbox Software, another game studio in Texas, saved Duke Nukem Forever, saved this project. One of the founders at Gearbox, Randy Pitchford, previously worked on Duke Nukem 3D at 3D Realms, and he wanted to see the game actually be released. Like This was very important to him personally. He was, He used to work at 3D Realms, and a lot of the other people at Gearbox used to work there or were just very excited for this. So they, there was like a, a personal interest in, in saving this game. So Gearbox purchased the rights to Duke Nukem for an undisclosed amount, and then Randy Pitchford proposed that Take-Two end the lawsuits and allow Gearbox to finish the game, and Take-Two agreed to that. As a result, a lot of the developers from 3D Realms joined Gearbox, including George Broussard i'm gonna read um part of an interview from wired from 2010 uh where they talked to randy pitchford
1: okay great
0: yeah I, again randy's like not not a very good guy so i'm i, I don't want no. to like give the impression that like all oh, this man honorably saved duke nukem forever it's like he's not that good of no, a person he d-
1: it's like how uh bezos apparently like said make more of the expanse or or whatever amazon prime show it was so that he could watch it like no it's just what he wants so he's like i i have money i have a game studio let's let's finish this game i want to see
0: yeah um but he he did say at the time quote I feel like I owe my career to Duke, and I'm not alone. A lot of the guys at Gearbox had worked on Duke Nukem 3D, and a lot of the guys worked on Duke Nukem Forever. We felt like Duke was a part of us too, and we were in a position where we knew we could help. And I believe that George and Scott could trust me, because I knew that they knew that I knew what the brand was all about. Take Two, because we were working on Borderlands together, they could trust us. We were in this weird, unique position where we could help everyone come together in Duke's time of need. It was risky. I had to put myself in the middle of it. I had to put my studio in the middle of it. And we had to take a bet. We had to spend money and we had to put resources on things. We had to take a big risk. It's funny. They say you should always bet on Duke. And we did. And it paid off. We helped the lawsuit go away and settled that for everyone. Quote. The next time we see the game is at PAX 2010, which was not previously announced at all. Like, PAX was just happening, and and Gearbox was like, oh, by the way, we have Duke Nukem over here. Amazing. Yeah, and then in January of 2011, we got another trailer, (laughs) so we got our third trailer. Let's go.
1: And this is Engine 5?
0: This is still uh, Unreal Engine. Okay. They, They end up calling this Duke Engine. I don't know why, but my <laughs> my my understanding is that this is basically just very modified Unreal Engine 1.
1: Someone has just taken the word Unreal and, like, scribbled it out with a red pen <laughs> and wrote Duke in its place.
0: And right off the bat, there's quite the ESRB warning on the first frame of this trailer. We've got... Blood and gore, intense violence, strong language, mature humor, nudity, strong sexual content, use of drugs and alcohol. Oh boy. Great game. You ready? Ready. Okay, go on. Three, two, one, go. to tell stories of a man who saved the world, a man whose very presence sent aliens running back to their motherships, a man who disappeared without a trace. When the invaders came back, they came back angry.
1: They tore our planet apart, bit by bit, but they made one mistake. They shouldn't have gone after our women. Damn it. Why do they always take the hot ones? Think I was gone forever? Hell, I'd still hit it.
0: The game, Duke. Was it any good?
1: Yeah, but after twelve f- years, it should be. I love, I love putting in your trailer the text. We're fucking bringing it. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's.
0: Yep, that that had a lot of. uh Uh, killing aliens, um, a lot of, a lot of naked people. What an experience.
1: So, were these censorships that are in this, uh, IGN YouTube video, were those shown on the stage, or is IGN censoring it for, for their upload?
0: I have no clue. Okay. The the game is uncensored, but.
1: It would be pretty funny if, like, the the game censored it, like, (laughs) the censor bar just appears. (laughs)
0: So, finally, on June 10th of 2011, Duke Nukem Forever was released after 14 years of development. In its final form, it was a first-person shooter that combined combat and puzzle solving, mostly set in Las Vegas and the Hoover Dam. The game has some interactive objects like Duke Nukem 3D, there's pinball tables you can you can play with and sinks and uh, of course urinals Uh, duke was peeing for like 30 whole seconds in that trailer
1: it was so long
0: it was very long pee he just the plot once again involves aliens attacking earth and duke coming to the rescue eventually it's revealed that the aliens are forcibly impregnating women to create more aliens so that's the plot the game earned a score of 54 out of 100 on Metacritic. Average from 48 reviews. Most of the reviews were not kind at all to this game cuz like first of all a-, a game in the works for this long is almost impossible to not be a disappointment. Like you just you've created yeah, way the, too much The hide.
1: stakes have gotten so high the yeah. the th- what you have to live up to is just it's become a mythology unto itself, and you can't ever live up to that.
0: Yeah, and and this was an extreme example where really the fact that like it took so long was almost the game's kind of why it was still known. Is like, oh yeah, there's this game that's just been in development for over a decade, and I guess it's coming out now. Maybe I'll buy it. Most of the reviews complained about the dated graphics, slower gameplay, and the uh loading times. Especially on console, the loading times are really bad. I'll read uh some reviews. Um again like the links for all of these are in the show notes. You can read the full reviews, they're they're interesting. I'm just grabbing sections from here. GameSpot said quote, there's nothing sexy, provocative, or sly about Duke's portrayal in this long awaited sequel. It Duke Nukem Forever. There is little joy, little excitement, and little fun. That is, unless your idea of fun is to catch an occasional glimpse at digital nipples while you jump and drive around and only occasionally shoot a few brain-dead aliens. Ars Technica, which was probably the most brutal review I found from the time, said, quote, In another scene, a woman sobs and asks for her father. You see the woman in the alien craft are being forcibly impregnated by the aliens, and during your journey... You hear a mixture of screams and sexual noises. After I accidentally blew up a few of these female victims in a firefight, Duke made a joke about abortion. This is what passes for humor in the game. It's not racy, it's not funny, and it makes you feel dirty. Every time I put the controller down, I felt the need to rub my hands on my jeans as if the game were making me physically dirty. It's like watching your uncle tell racist jokes at Thanksgiving and praying someone has the guts to tell him to cut it out But this time it's interactive, and you're the uncle.
1: Nobody wants to be in the middle of racist uncle simulator.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) That's a horrible experience. PC Gamer, which had one of the more positive reviews I found, said, quote, Duke Nukem Forever is a throwback to the age when shooters were long single-player experiences first and multiplayer games second. And as such, the eight-player multiplayer modes aren't going to challenge Call of Duty or Battlefield for the competitive crown. It's often hilariously effective at showing us a good time, though. The ten maps, which are diversely designed with the same wide range of locations as the campaign, are built to create goofy and memorable moments when combined with Duke's weapons. One category in which Duke Nukem Forever has surpassed its predecessor by leaps and bounds is in its uncensored nudity, particularly in the first half. Breasts abound, some attached to shapely but dead-eyed ladies, some to other less appealing things. If that kind of thing bothers you, you've probably already been warned away by the long as your arm ESRP rap sheet, but my, personal <laughs> taste threshold was, but my personal taste threshold was exceeded only once by a mid-game incident that goes just a little too far in mixing boobs, comedy, and gore. I think they're talking about the, the alien ship part that ours was talking about. Last review I'll read is from Destructoid, which was also extremely uh, brutal. They said... Duke Nukem Forever is an ugly game, both in terms of visuals and gameplay. It's hardly surprising that software over a decade past its due date plays like an artifact from a past age, in fact under certain conditions that could almost be considered charming. Some may defend the game for deliberately evoking an early 90s charm, but here's the thing. Even for a game from the 90s, Duke Nukem Forever isn't very good. It's simply not fun, and that's the cold hard truth. For a game that prides itself on being a big, dumb shooter, you'll be surprised to note that the game features comparatively little shooting. A huge portion of the game is given over to awkward, badly designed first-person platforming and physics puzzles ripped straight out of Half-Life 2 with not even a fraction of the ingenuity found in Valve's games. After the rehash of the Duke Nukem 3D boss fight at the start of the game, it'll take 30 minutes before you're even given a gun. If you're expecting a non-stop coaster of violence, then prepare to be disappointed. Instead, look forward to making Duke jump around with horrible controls that see him sliding and bouncing from surfaces more often than not. Look forward to mind-numbing sections in which you find barrels to weigh down cranes. Look forward to an entire level where you have no weapons or combat and instead need to find three random items to give to somebody for no good reason whatsoever before being rewarded with 10 seconds of unnervingly animated lap dancing.
1: Oof. But hey, those are some nice trailers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sure looked cool 10 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, I played a few hours of Duke Nukem Forever, because uh, I'd never played this game at all, and I just got an uh, Xbox Series X a few months ago, and you can still buy it on there and like play it through the backwards compatibility thing. Oh, wow. Thing. Yeah, so... I kind of liked it at the start because it felt like a shit post. I think that's the best way I can describe it. It's just like you're you're starting off and you're you're playing as Duke Nukem in his giant casino he's built that's like a shrine to himself, and it's just making like the worst possible jokes, and like every wall has like posters of Duke in doing something, and it's just it's it's pretty funny
1: shit posting is hilarious so that that's like a whole vibe unto itself and so if you can pull that off like there's merit to be had there but uh you're you're really walking a tightrope by by trying to do that or or by doing that and uh the cost of of failure is is high
0: yeah a lot of the start of the game is in Duke's Casino, where like in one part you play through the same area as normal-sized Duke, and then you play it through as Duke shrunk down by aliens to, like, action figure size, and you're in, like, this RC car, and you're going around the same areas, and it's kind of cool. I thought that was kind of fun.
1: That's that's a really fun concept.
0: Yeah, and you're, like, jumping on top of tables to, to get to areas, and I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Eventually, you, you go back to, like, normal-sized Duke, and you get to these big outdoor areas that are just... Like they don't look good, which is really weird. Because if if you think about Las Vegas, that's such a vibrant environment for like a video game. Like you can do a lot with yeah. that, and it just it just kind of looked really bland. And I don't really know why. And it it plays very much like a first person shooter from like the mid or late two thousands, which is not something I normally enjoy. Mm-hmm. Bioshock was, I think. I think that was 2007 and this is 2011.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like, I've I played Bioshock even on the like original PS3. That looked way better than this. And I, I did get to that part with the alien ship where there's like weird, like moaning women. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. I'm just going to try to get past this part uh, as quickly as I can. And then I got to that boss battle that's in the trailer for a second where you're like, shooting this this giant alien with three boobs. And the the boss battle is not fun. And I was like, okay, I think I'm done now. <laughs> I don't need to play anymore. <laughs> I've seen enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, I don't think this is going to get more fun. I, I think I need to quit. I, I think the way they set up Duke Nukem is, is pretty funny. He's supposed to just be like generic 80s, 90s action hero, manly man. Kind of in a way that's like, I don't think is is necessarily aged poorly or or anything like that. Like a lot of the jokes are just like directed at the the random aliens invading. If I remember correctly, there's like one joke I I think where Duke says the f word uh, and not fuck the other one. Aww. Yeah. So it's like so it's like I, I don't know. Like part of me I I like that Duke Nukem exists and I think he's mostly fine in this game. Because he's sort of just being a silly dude who also uh-huh. is like, I'm great. I think I'm great. I look hot, and like, I think we all could use more of that attitude. But sure. there was there was some parts that were like, eh, I don't know about this, guys, and I'm willing to chalk that up more to just like weird writing than than something inherent to Duke. So um, Scott Miller from 3D Realms wrote in a blog post much later. Uh, he said, "quote." In the end, we worked out a deal to somehow barely save the project with Gearbox software and basically handed over the future of the Duke brand to them with the idea that they'd finished the game. A year or so later, it was released. It's a very sad story no matter how you look at it. It brought 3D Realms to its knees, all of our development team left or was released, and the 3D Realms name is now owned by someone with no connection to our past. I do hope that Gearbox can resurrect Duke Nukem at some point. It seems like the obvious move will be to recreate Duke Nukem 3D using Unreal 5, and if it does well, then start making more Duke adventures while also expanding the universe with new characters. Quote.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I feel like Duke belongs in the past.
0: <laughs> yeah. Duke Nukem 3D was 1996, so, yeah, it's, it's been a very long time since he was in a, a relevant uh game i i don't think duke is like a, a very strong character he's just kind of a silly guy <laughs> really it's just like make a game with a silly guy voiced by john st john that's that's really it
1: and it it's a very funny voice <laughs> that yeah. like that's a lot of words too bad i'm not reading those <laughs> that's that's everywhere on like tiktok or reels or or whatever uh is very funny and and clearly like in that same vein or or what i don't know if that's one of those ai voice clones of Duke. no there's there's a there's a few
0: people who have like made it a point to just like voice duke saying silly stuff like i was i was trying to find a a video for this and I, i ran into some of those and i got to one that was just Someone saying in like the Duke Dugan voice, like, I got banned from Dave and Buster's.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that stuff was hilarious. And so like, there, there's a, there's a way that that, that could be really funny, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that blog post from Scott Miller was uh, pretty. Pretty depressing. Uh, George Broussard had a very different take. Uh, After that was published, he kind of went on a little Twitter rant. Oh, boy. He said, quote, Scott's a clueless narcissist whose actions are what led to Gearbox's suits and friction that led us to losing 3D Realms and the Duke intellectual property. Mind-blowing the nonsense he spews. Not surprising due to his depth of manipulation and narcissism. Least I've had the class to keep my thoughts private.
1: Jeez. I I
0: can imagine in his position, like maybe he's projecting a, a little bit because he he was like in charge of the development of this game.
1: Maybe just a little.
0: Yeah, like that, and and again, like that Wired article and and other stuff like it, very clearly had people working at 3D Realms who were like, yeah, he he just kept adding to Don't let to George the game. see it. <laughs> yeah, there was never, a, yeah, there was never a release schedule. Like we couldn't tell this dude no. In twenty seventeen a Gearbox representative said that there were no plans for a Duke Nukem game. As far as I know, that hasn't changed. There is a there is a movie in development.
1: Oh god.
0: Yeah. Um so we'll see how that goes. Uh, pretty mixed track record on video game movies.
1: That'll be the third video game film from Illumination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, they did Mario and Zelda and now Duke Nukem. That, that's really, this is a really new direction.
0: <laughs> oh my god, what if it's, what if it's just a Despicable Me, but they replace Gru with Duke Nukem?
1: Get these fucking cookies away from me. <laughs> Cookie robots. I'll show you a moon. <laughs> I uh... said dart gun <laughs>
0: <laughs> So uh as of 2023 you can still buy Duke Nukem forever. Uh it's on Steam, it's on the Xbox store. Uh it costs $20. I would not recommend <laughs> paying that. Um again like it's it's not a good game. It's just kind of interesting from a historical standpoint. Um, and you can find the disc copies for like Xbox 360 and PS3 on eBay. They're like five to ten bucks. So,
1: either way, def- definitely a very interesting part of the-, the history of this stuff. Like, what a weird thing.
0: Yeah. So, that's all I've got. Um, do you have any, any plugs?
1: I'm at 347 online at tech.lgbt on Mastodon. Or you can follow my game dev stuff at conundrum at mastodon.gamedev.place. dev.place. Uh, and you should buy my video game, Cold Light, which is, is very fun.
0: Yes. And your game did not take 14 years, I believe.
1: That's correct. It did not.
0: Tech Tales is also on Mastodon at techtales at mas.to. Also on Twitter at techtails show. Uh, the links for those are in the show notes also all of the sources and videos are in the show notes along with links to support the show if you feel like doing that thank you for listening and we'll be back in your podcast feed soon